0: Hi, everybody. My name is James. I'm one of the pastors here. Once again, welcome to those of you who are joining us in person or those of you who are joining us online. Uh, It's so good to be here, and it's a privilege for me to deliver a message from the Scripture. Scripture today is 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and I know uh, your sermon notes says verses 1 through 18, but I'm gonna read 1 through 8 for you, and then we'll still end up going over uh, all of the verses that are mentioned. So, 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. This is the word of God. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And he arose and ate and drank, and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mountain of God, and all God's people said, Amen. Would you join me in prayer? Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us and giving us eternity through your resurrection. Lord, we want to talk about mental issues and depression in particular using your word. Help us to listen to you, O God, and speak to each one of us, especially those who are struggling or those who are supporting their loved ones struggling. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Something that um, might be quite obvious but that might not have caught some of your eyes when you read through this chapter with me just now is that Elijah was depressed. Um, In verse 4, it says, He asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. It says, He asked God. Elijah asked God that he might die. Has anyone here ever asked God that before? Hopefully not. And then he continues by saying, I've had enough. I've had enough, God. This sounds like a cry of a man who simply had enough. He's just dealt with so much up to this point that he simply does not want to carry on. And then he says, I am no better than my fathers. Now, Elijah isn't talking about his own father or his grandfather or his ancestors here. He's rather referring to the prophets that came before him. Each age, according to the Bible, God has sent prophets to work with his people. And Elijah was the prophet of this time. And the situation of Elijah was that there were two kingdoms. The Israelite people were divided into two kingdoms, Israel in the north and Judah in the south. Maybe Elijah had hoped and thought that God was finally going to bring unity to his nation through him. After all, God had performed powerful miracles through Elijah. But God did not do that. He did not bring the two countries together through him. Maybe Elijah thought that because the Lord had worked in me so powerfully, that at the least he would wipe away the evil lineage of kings and queens, especially in the northern kingdom. And at this time, there was an evil king named Ahab, an evil queen Jezebel, who threatened him with death in the first three verses. You see, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah had defeated 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah, who are Canaanite gods. And after defeating them, the queen Jezebel threatened, saying, whatever you did did to my prophets, I'm going to do unto you. And Elijah gets scared, and he runs away down south. In fact, he gets so scared That he runs away to Judah and leaves his servant at a particular city. And then the Bible says that he runs off a day's journey into the wilderness by himself, further south towards Horeb, mountain of God. You see, Elijah was scared, he was tired, he was suicidal. Perhaps he didn't feel good about himself because having disappointed by God these expectations of God's miracles that did not come through in his lifetime. Maybe he felt worthless. Maybe he felt pointless. He was depressed. And Bible tells us in verses 5 through 8 that the Lord had sent him an angel to feed Elijah. Elijah. Take a look at verse 6. It says and he looked and behold there was at Elijah's head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water and he ate and drank and lay down again. You see when Elijah was so tired he was at his end God sends his angel to feed him physically and not only that he gives him sort of like a home cooked food. And what does Elijah do? He eats the food but he falls asleep right away. Have you had one of those days before where you were so tired, you were so out of it, you just didn't have enough on the inside where all you could do is get up and go back to sleep? Get up and wish that you didn't have to wake up, that you didn't have the strength to even roll out of your bed because the task ahead of you was so burdensome. Your inner heart was just not in the right place. This was where Elijah was at. He was fed miraculously by God, but yet he did not have enough to continue. You know, this life that we live, it's pretty awesome at times, right? I mean, there's so many things that we can rejoice over. But at the same time, isn't it true that sometimes all of us experience hardship, difficulties, struggle? And at times, those things gather up in our hearts. They accumulate. And at an unfortunate timing, it takes us to a breaking point. Or sometimes, what you and I experience is such a Difficult and traumatic single incident, perhaps a violence or something else that snaps us inside that we just don't have the strength to carry on anymore. I don't know if some of you can relate. Perhaps some of you are there right now. You know, for me, um, actually, I remember uh, January 13th, 2008. This was the day that I tried to end my own life. January 13th, 2008. At that time, I had been addicted to illegal drugs for more than 10 years. And everything that I had done, all the ugliness that I had experienced and have caused, have finally caught up to me. I was desperate. I did not want to continue anymore, but I, I physically could not stop. I had hurt many people in my life, especially the ones that I loved, my friends, my family, the ones that cared for me, myself. And I was at the end of it all. I had no hope, I had no joy, and one night in January 13th, 2008, I woke up and looked at myself in the mirror, and for the first time in my life, I thought, why do I live? Maybe your life had been better if you had not been born. Maybe you just didn't have a purpose. And so I try to end it. but you know god god gave me two specific things that allowed me to carry on and first one was intimacy god gave me intimate presence and in my case through different people that had shown up in my life you know january 13th 2008 it was a sunday if you look it up, it was a Sunday, and I told my parents that I had been living with, with at the time that mom, dad, I want to go back to church, and they freaked out. They said, we don't want to take you to church. Why do you want to go to church? You're just going to cause nothing but trouble. I said, I just take me to church. And They took me to church reluctantly, and I had met these two guys. You see, I had grown up in a small church, and I knew everybody there, and these two guys were not from there, and turns out that they were just in the same place that i was they were desperate addicted wanted to be sober wanted to break free but could not do it alone didn't have the strength in in them and the three of us became instant best friends and we had a pastor man god bless this man if you're watching saying in west india i love you you are my hero um He loved on us so much. And through his teaching, I started to open up to the truths of Scripture. And I started to become different. And along the way, I became a believer. And not just a believer, but God allowed me to have a faithful wife, a godly wife. And not just that, just to make it really clear to me that when I went to seminary, to follow the call that he had given me. Actually, I ran into two of my closest friends who were my college friends that I was in fraternity with, that I had partied with, that I had did drugs with, that I had messed up on with. And we ran into each other at my seminary's library randomly and we pointed fingers at one another and said, you're a sinner, (laughs) you should not be here. Somebody call security. we're still sinners okay i just want to be really clear on that but we're sinners saved by grace you see god had given me many relationships to help me to understand that he had never left me even though what i had done and with and experienced was so dark and messed up even though inside i was wretched and broken i was desperate suicidal hopeless joyless and depressed God didn't leave me alone, but He didn't stop there. He didn't stop at giving me this fuzzy feeling on the inside, but He gave me purpose. Small and big purpose that restored me. When I had returned January 13th, 2008, I met my old youth pastor. God bless him, man. Pastor Joshua, if you're watching, I love you too. He was a bivocational pastor who ran tutoring businesses, and he gave me a job, a part-time job. Later, he did tell me that he didn't fully trust me, so he connected me to his friend, not his home place. So I was like, that, that's cool, you know. But he gave me a job, and I could feel like I could contribute again. I could be productive again. I could make some pocket change again to buy food and you know spend 20 hours a week or so not thinking about things and of course along the way after I had become a believer which is the greatest gift but he also called me to stand in here in front of you today to tell you that you have a God who will never leave you to tell you that you have a God who will give you hope to tell you that who you have a God in Jesus who died for you and who rose again so that all that you are struggling with, whether it be depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, self-hatred, broken relationships, whatever it is that you have not given heavenly eternity in your life so that in the end you will be victorious. In the end, but not just in the end, but here in this life, that you have a God, God Emmanuel, who came to be with us that will never leave you, that will restore you, that will draw you close. When I read 1 Kings 19, story of Elijah, from verses through 9 through 18, that's what I see. You see what happens. Is Elijah is drawn to the mountain of God after he is so desperate and tired. He's fed by an angel. Elijah doesn't even speak to God, but it is God who speaks to him first, verses 9 and 10. God says, where are you? What are you doing here? As if God doesn't know what he's doing here. Of course God knows what Elijah is doing, but yet God asks this question. It's as if God is drawing Elijah, helping him to understand that God is nearby. And then when the Lord God finally shows up in verses 11, 12, and so on, the Bible writes, that there was a strong wind, but the Lord was not in it. And then there was a fire, but the Lord was not in it. The great earthquake, the Lord was not in it. These things, strong wind, fire, earthquake, are common things that the Old Testament uses to signify the presence of God. This is usually how God shows up. When God shows up, you know that God showed up. But yet... In 1 Kings 19, verse 12, it says, After the earthquake of fire, the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he knew. Low whisper, or a gentle whisper, as other versions of the Bible translates. And here, we're being told explicitly that the mighty God showed up in a gentle whisper. That inner still voice that Christians may talk about is how God showed up to Elijah's life. He wanted Elijah to know that God was always there for him and with him. That he was drawing him in into mountain of God. And, but not just that. Not just that. In verses 15, if you would read with me verse, verses 15 and beyond, First Kings 19 verse 15, it says, And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall know in Hazael to be king over Assyria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel Mechola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. And yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that had not kissed him. God didn't just show up in Elisha's life, extended a strong hand or a deep heart and gave him presence. That would have been great. But God gives Elisha specific things to restore him, purposes that he can work on once again. He says, go anoint these kings and prophet so that I can start showing you that I'm not done with you and your people, that you still have a purpose in your life. And then God says... I will, or some versions say I have, saved 7,000 who have not bowed down to idols. You see, one of the things that Elisha was saying, one of the reasons why he was so depressed was that he thought that he was all alone. Twice he says, God, I have been jealous for you, but yet people hate me. But yet people are trying to kill me my own people are against me and I feel so alone and God says you are not alone I have personally saved 7000 people to be like you can you imagine the restoration the encouragement the charge in his heart that Elijah had felt the renewed sense of purpose in his life that God through this Sorry about that. Church, if any one of you are struggling, you've been struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, mental illness, or if you have been supporting anyone, your loved ones that have been struggling, or God forbid, if you have lost somebody that you have loved, to these issues I want to say I'm so sorry that I understand the hopelessness the joylessness that these darknesses can cause you but more than me take it from prophet Elijah take it from the word of God that we have read together today that you have a God who will draw you near him You might think that he is nowhere near, but he is with you. And all the ups and downs that you may be experiencing is his way of drawing him, drawing you closer and closer to him. He wants to bring hope in you. He wants to give you joy back into your life. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. It's not. When God says to Elijah, go anoint Hazael king over Damascus, Syria is northern, north of Israel, where he was, Elijah was in the south. Mountain of God, Horeb, was towards the southernmost tip. This means in order for him to carry out God's command, he had to cross through the middle of the country, which likely he would have had to pass by the evil queen Jezebel, the very queen that brought upon these suicidal thoughts and depression upon him it's not going to be easy. But you know what? When God gives you intimacy, when God gives you purpose, he may not necessarily take away the reasons of your pain and your hurt and fear, but he's going to walk you through it, walk you with it. He's going to give you a place to get to so that you may have direction That's what happened to me. That's what happened to Elijah. That's a pattern of God. That's what God has done to Abraham. That's what he has done to Moses. That's what he has done to Queen Esther, King David. That's what Jesus did to his disciples. That's what the Holy Spirit did upon his church. Thousands of years ago when the church had started and living hope today, I want to declare to you that that's what the Lord God is going to do over you today. Amen? To you and your families, to your loved ones, to your broken hearts, to your suicidal minds, the Lord God is going to bring you victory, intimacy, and purpose. Come on. He's going to do that for you. I want to end with this. When in verse 18, when God says that there are 7,000 that he had saved, this is not a symbolic and random number. In 1 Kings chapter 18, you see a story of another prophet named Obadiah who had saved a hundred people, other prophets of God, that had not bowed to Baal and Asherah, the Canaanite idols. And then in 1 Kings chapter 21, we get a story of a man named Naboth who refused to sell his inheritance to evil king Ahab and evil queen Jezebel who are in control over his life. He refuses to do so for God. And in 1 Kings chapter 22, we have a story of another prophet named Micaiah who stands up against Ahab. This entire Bible book tells us story of real people, real prophets who have stood up for the Lord God. When God says that he has saved 7,000, he was not kidding. He had saved real people. And church, I want to tell you, he has saved real people like you. You're not alone. You're never alone. You are not alone alone.